Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Glasgow Times News Podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes. To keep in touch with us, use our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, which are all at Q and Review. That's C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W. Or get in touch via information at qandreview.com. That's information at C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W dot com. Please like and share our podcast and give us any constructive feedback. Evening Times, October 13, Lifestyle. New BBC documentary to explore Glasgow's links with the Jewish community. Report by Esther Tarnell. A new documentary will explore Glasgow's links with the Jewish community. Available to view on the BBC Scotland channel, Being Jewish in Scotland is a unique insight into the community's not very well known but rich history. Although the population is around 6,000, according to Scotland's most senior religious leader, Rabbi Moshe Rubin, the community really punches above its weight. His Orthodox congregation in Gifnock and Newton Mearns is the largest in the country. Born in Glasgow to an Orthodox family, contributor Deborah Haas sees herself as more culturally Jewish than devout. She is an honorary curator at the Scottish Jewish Archives Centre and talks about the strong connection with the city. Deborah said, Just before the First World War, we saw a big influx of Jewish people who were essentially fleeing the collapse of the Russian Empire. So Latvia, Lithuania, Poland, Belarus, Russia itself, and so on, most of them tended to settle at that time in the Gorbals area. There was the Jewish bakers, the Jewish butchers, the Jewish grocers, everything. People lived in the area, they worked in the area, and there were a myriad of synagogues. You could call it the Glasgow Shetetti. Other contributors include Mark Cohen and his mother Doreen. For them, food is at the heart of their Jewish lives, as owners of the only kosher deli in the country, in Gifnock, they are the custodians of a vital component of Jewish life. Doreen said, hopefully, while there's a community, there will always be a kosher deli. Report by Esther Tarnail. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 14th of October 2022, from the news section, Glasgow girl hit masked intruder with stick during home invasion, by Connor Gordon, court reporter. A teenager briefly fought off a masked intruder who broke into her parents' house. The 16-year-old lashed out at Robert Anderson, 65, in Glasgow's Bailiston on December the 18th, 2021. Anderson and an accomplice had earlier tied up the girl and her 13-year-old brother as they ransacked the house. The horror ordeal was overheard by a friend of the girl who had been on a video call with her when the pair arrived. 
The friend was able to contact his parents, who attempted to gain entry into the locked property. The girl, meantime, was able to free herself and struck Anderson to the head as he attempted to flee flee the scene. Anderson pled guilty today at the highest court in Glasgow to assault and robbery. Anderson, of Lark Hall, South Lanarkshire, hit the headlines in 2013 when he was jailed for six years after impersonating a police officer. The trickster used fake identification to go on a spate of robberies against elderly people in Glasgow, Giffnock, East Renfrewshire and Airdrie, North Lanarkshire. The court heard that the two teenagers were left alone in the house as their parents were at work. The girl was on a video call with a boy when she heard a knock at the door which she then answered. A masked Anderson and an unknown male accomplice, both wearing gloves, barged into the house and locked the door. The pair stated, where's the safe? Where's the money? Don't move, sit down or else. The second man grabbed a pair of scissors and threatened to kill them and their family. Anderson and the other man dragged his victims into the living room and tied their arms and legs with wire, Christmas tree lights and a school tie. The terrified teens told the pair there was no safe in the property but handed over £65 of their own cash. The two men went on to ransack the property, opening drawers and cupboards. Prosecutor Lee Laurie said, Unbeknownst to the men, the boy remained on the video call and heard the threats being made. He alerted his father and mother, who also overheard the threats and contacted the police as well as the victim's parents. The boy's parents attended at the property and banged on the locked door as the victim shouted for help. Ms Laurie added, The girl shouted that the men were going out the back door and at this point she was able to free herself. She picked up a wooden stick and hit Anderson over the head. The two men were able to run off before officers were able to arrive. It was discovered that the robbers had made off with jewellery as well as the cash belonging to the siblings. Officers were able to trace Anderson to a neighbouring property and he was arrested. The other man's whereabouts is still unknown. Anderson was treated for a head injury at hospital before he was held in custody. Judge Lord Scott said, A custodial sentence is inevitable. It must have been an ordeal for these children to have this happen to them in their own home. Sentencing was deferred pending background reports until next month at the High Court in Paisley. Anderson has had his remand in custody continued meantime. And that was report was by Connor Gordon. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 14th of October 2022, from the news section, Harry Potter and Tutti Frutti actor Robbie Coltrane dies aged 72. Article by Nicole Mitchell and Naomi Clark. Harry Potter and Tutti Frutti actor Robbie Coltrane has died aged 72, his agent has said. The Rutherglen-born star, whose real name is Anthony Robert McMillan, was best known for playing the beloved Hogwarts gamekeeper Hagrid and starring as criminal psychologist Dr Eddie Fitz Fitzgerald in ITV's Crime Dama Cracker, as well as Danny McGlone in the cult TV classic Tutti Frutti. His agent of 40 years, Belinda Wright, said Coltrane died on Friday and thanked the medical staff at Forth Valley Royal Hospital in Larbert, near Falkirk in Scotland, for their care and diplomacy. In a statement, she added, Robbie was a unique talent, sharing the Guinness Book of Records award for winning three consecutive Best Actor BAFTAs for his portrayal of Fitz in Granada TV series Cracker in 1994, 1995 and 1996 with Sir Michael Gambon. He will probably be best remembered for decades to come as Hagrid in the Harry Potter films. A role which brought joy to children and adults alike all over the world, 
prompting a stream of fan letters every week for over 20 years. James Bond fans write too to applaud his role in Goldeneye and The World Is Not Enough. For me, personally, I should remember him as an abidingly loyal client as well as being a wonderful actor. He was forensically intelligent, brilliantly witty and, after 40 years of being proud to be called his agent, I shall miss him. Born in Rutherglen, South Lanarkshire, in 1950, Coltrane was the son of a teacher and pianist, Jean Ross, and general practitioner Ian Baxter McMillan, and was educated at independent school Glenalmond College in Perth and Kinross. He later attended Glasgow School of Art and Morey House College of Education in Edinburgh, and moved into acting in his 20s. He starred alongside Hugh Laurie, Stephen Fry and Damien Emma Thompson in the sketch series Alfresco, in 1983-1984 and reunited with Dame Edna for the BBC miniseries Tutti Frutti where he played Big Jazza for which he received his first BAFTA nomination. Coltrane gained further fame starring as criminal psychologist Dr Eddie Fitz Fitzgerald in the ITV series Cracker from 1993-1995 to and in a special re- return episode in 2006. The role secured him the BAFTA Award for Best Actor for three consecutive years from 1994 to 1996. Arguably his best known role came in the Harry Potter film series as he starred in all eight movies as Ruby's Hagrid alongside Daniel Radcliffe, Rupert Grint and Emma Watson. Coltrane was made an OBE in 2006 New Year's Honours list for his services to drama and he was awarded the BAFTA Scotland Award for Outstanding Contribution to Film in 2011. The actor is survived by his sister Annie Ray, his children Spencer and Alice, and their mother Rona Gamel. And that article was written by Nicole Mitchell and Naomi Clark. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 14th of October 2022, from the news section, Nicola Sturgeon, it's time for Liz Trust to go as Prime Minister, by Nicole Mitchell and Craig Payton. It is time for Liz Trust to go, Nicola Sturgeon has said, after the Prime Minister sacked her Chancellor and U-turned on a a cut to corporation tax. Liz Truss relieved Kwasi Kwarteng of his duties on Friday, with the ex-Chancellor dashing back from a meeting of finance ministers in Washington to learn his fate. Mr Kwarteng announced his mini-budget to the Commons last month, with the tax cuts sending the pound crashing against the dollar and the Bank of England being forced to intervene. Despite announcing that the planned scrapping of the top rate of tax would not go ahead, it was not enough to save his job. Mr Quartin was Chancellor for just 38 days. One Twitter user highlighted that singer and former Glasgow Times columnist Michelle McManus spent more time in the singles chart with all this time than Mr Quartin served as Chancellor. All this time was in the charts for a total of 11 weeks. Jeremy Hunt has been appointed as a new Chancellor and is the UK's fourth Chancellor of the Exchequer in just over three months and the fifth person to hold the role in three years. The Prime Minister, speaking in a Downing Street press conference on Friday, also announced the planned cut to corporation tax would be scrapped, with the levy actually being increased to 25%. Nicola Sturgeon, speaking on Friday afternoon, said it was time for the Prime Minister to step down and for a general election to be called. I think the only decent thing that a Tory backbencher can do now is calling time on list trusts and this entire UK government and allow people across the UK to have a general election, the First Minister told broadcasters. This was beyond a joke. It was never funny. 
but Liz Truss has already, through her own decisions, crashed the economy and heaped misery on people who were already struggling with the cost of living crisis. Today she has forced her Chancellor to carry the can for her decisions. She has already shown herself to be completely out of her depth as Prime Minister and, as of today, she's also a lame duck Prime Minister. The sooner she goes and the sooner people get the chance to get rid of this Tory government that is doing so much damage, once and for all, the better. She added, It is unconscionable what, in just a month or so in office, Liz Truss has done to the UK economy and to living standards in every part of the UK. It's time for her to go. It's time for this entire UK government to go and for people across the UK to get the opportunity to have their say in a general election. Scottish Labour leader Anna Sarwar said, 11th hour U-turns and scapegoating will not be enough to save mistrust. It's not just quasi-quarting that needs to go. We need to remove all those that were involved in putting together this disastrous plan and everyone that signed it off, not just the guy who read it out. It's time to remove this economically illiterate and morally bankrupt Tory party from government. We need a general election now so that Labour can boot this rotten Tory government out of office. Elsewhere, the Scottish Lib Dems also pushed for an election. This Tory government has plummeted public support to some of its lowest ever levels and caused financial misery for millions up and down the country, leader Alex Cole Hamilton said in a statement. Change is in the air. It's time for new hope. That starts with a general election to get both Truss and Tories out of power. Meanwhile, Scottish Green Economy spokeswoman Maggie Chapman said Quasi Quartin did not act alone on the mini-budget. It's not just the corporation tax cut that needs to go, it is the brutal economic vision that underpinned it and the Prime Minister who delivered it, she added. And that article was written by Nicole Mitchell and Craig Payton. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 14th of October 2022, from the news section, Still Game stars to headline food and drink trade show in Glasgow city centre, by Sarah Campbell. Still Game stars are to swap Craig Lang for the carnival this month with a day of foodie fun in Glasgow city centre. Scottish comedy favourites Ford Kiernan and Greg Hempful will be just one team of many exhibitors gathering to share their wares at the Discovery 2022 trade show at Platform on Tuesday, October the 25th. The duo will meet and greet fans who are selling bottles of their own Jack and Victor whiskey, whiskey and gin named after their unforgettable TV personas, alongside the likes of Panther Milk and Harris Gin. Hailed as one of the biggest food and drink events in Scotland, the fun, the fair-themed industry event is hosted by local wholesalers and distributors, Dunn's Food and Drink. This is the first time that the show will take place in person since 2019, with a variety of traders invited to showcase the finest of Scottish produce, from cocktails to comfort foods. Julie Dunn, Operations Director at Dunn's Food and Drink said, It is a very big event for us and we're really excited, given it's the first time we've been able to have everyone together for a show since the pandemic. The theme of 2022 is Discovery, and we've challenged suppliers to really think about what they're bringing to the sector in terms of new product development. As you'd expect, we've had a brilliant response, particularly from local producers, many of which have launched during lockdown, and we've been very keen to support them. The event is free to attend, with attendees encouraged to register online. And that article is by Sarah Campbell. This article is from the Glasgow Times.
date 14th October 2022, from the Lifestyle section. iTunes Charts UK, pro-IRA song Celtic Symphony, climbs chart after Irish woman's team backlash. By Kieran Doody. Celtic Symphony by The Wolf Tones has climbed to number two in the UK iTunes chart amid a row over the Irish woman's football team singing a pro-IRA song following their victory over Scotland this week. Players celebrating the victory were filmed singing the chant Oh Ah Up There Ah in the Hamden dressing room on Tuesday. UEFA and Police Scotland are investigating the footage which was circulated on social media which led to an apology from the Irish FA and the manager and players. Irish football fans hit back at criticism after a Sky Sports presenter asked whether there was a need for education following the backlash. One fan replied to the clip on social media, don't talk to us about history. Another added, this Brit journalist telling an Irish person to educate themselves on history is a joke. Following the media storm, Celtic Symphony by Dublin band The Wolf Tones has climbed to number one in Ireland and number two in the UK iTunes chart. The song, originally released in 1988, celebrated Celtic FC's centenary, and many have been quick to point out that the line relates to graffiti at Parkhead reading, We're magic, up the cells, ooh, ah, up the rah. Speaking to the Irish Times, Wolf Tones songwriter Brian Warfield said, What the hell is wrong with the IRA? It's the Irish Republican Army. It is the people who put us here and gave us some hope when we had no hope. There were terrible things that happened on both sides, but don't give me the argument that it was one-sided. Don't tell me that you can't sing Celtic Symphony, but you can sing God Save the King. Don't give the argument that Land of Hope and Glory isn't a rebel song. It is. In England, they wear poppies and rise them up, sir this and sir that, for killing, for English expansionism. But to kill to gain Ireland's freedom is a terrible crime. At the time of writing, Celtic Symphony remains number two in the UK iTunes chart. That article was by Kieran Doody. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 17th of October. Burrell Collection given licence to serve alcohol. An article written by Drew Sandilands. Glasgow's reopened borough collection in Pollock Country Park has been handed a licence to serve alcohol. The museum, which houses thousands of objects from the collection of shipping merchant and art collector Sir William Burrell, underwent a £68 million refurbishment over six years. It was reopened to the public in March, before King Charles attended an official reopening on Thursday, nearly 40 years since his mother initially opened the venue. Bosses at the borough, which is managed by Glasgow Life, the arm's-length body running culture and leisure services for the council, have now secured a provisional premises licence, allowing the sale of alcohol on site. They appeared before the city's licensing board on Friday to request the licence, which will allow drinks to be served in the restaurant and outdoor area, as well as a small alcohol display in the gift shop. 
Andrew Hunter, representing the Borough Collection, said the premises was effectively asking for its licence back after a period of closure to allow renovations to take place. The licence will also allow alcohol to be served at events held in the museum, such as exhibition openings and private functions. Since its reopening, these types of events have been held under occasional licences. An article written by Drew Sandilands. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 17th of October. Popular Christmas lights display cancelled due to rising energy bills. An article written by Rebecca Newlands. A dad who hosts a dazzling Christmas light display at his house has had to cancel it this year due to the energy cost increase. Ian Fleming is known for decorating his home with hundreds of bright lights and festive features and has done so for around 13 years. Last year he went bigger than ever with a huge 6-metre Christmas tree and hosted a switch-on that around 900 people attended, raising money for the Les Hoey Dreammaker Foundation. But the dad of three from Hamilton told his Facebook followers that due to the energy situation he will not be able to run the display this year. He said, due to various reasons, one being the current energy situation, the Christmas lights display will not take place this year. Fingers crossed the display will be back in 2023. Locals soon expressed their disappointment at the news, with one commenting, Last year was an amazing atmosphere when the lights were turned on, a great build-up to Christmas. Totally understand and expected it to be cancelled this year. Another said, I think a lot of people won't be putting up outdoor lights this year. You can't blame them with the high cost of electricity. A third added, totally understandable. As you say, hope next year is different. An article written by Rebecca Newlands. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 17th of October. Furniture shop fire cloud city in smoke. An article written by Rebecca Newlands. A huge fire broke out in Glasgow yesterday as police and fire teams raced to the scene. The blaze ripped through a building on Kingston Street at around 5 to 10 yesterday morning. It's understood that a furniture shop was alight and staff, along with nearby residents, had to be evacuated. Police urged people to stay away and keep windows closed as nine fire appliances arrived on the scene. Footage and photos shared on social media showed giant plumes of smoke filling the air in the Tradeston area. People could be seen covering their mouths and noses with jackets to avoid breathing in the large grey smoke clouds billowing from the building. Reports said the smoke is really strong and spreading across into Argyle Street. In photos shared with the Glasgow Times, police locked down Kingston Street while fire crews worked to tackle the blaze. There are currently no reports of any injuries. Police Scotland yesterday confirmed it was on the scene assisting with road closures and multiple police cars were pictured blocking off the area to the public. The closures include parts of Kingston Street, Centre Street, Nelson Street and West Street, with local diversions in place. Inspector Pauline Thompson said, We're asking everyone to avoid the area while our colleagues in the Scottish Fire and Rescue Service deal with this incident. We're also advising people to keep their windows closed due to the smoke and not to gather on the street. A spokesperson for the Scottish Fire and Rescue Service said yesterday afternoon, Scottish Fire and Rescue were alerted at 9.55am on October 16th of a report of a fire within a building on Kingston Street. 
Operations Control immediately mobilised appliances and we currently have nine at the scene. Crews are in attendance. A traffic information bulletin released at 11.14am read, Due to a building fire, Kingston Street is closed to all traffic from West Street to Commerce Street. Emergency services are currently on site. Drivers should avoid the area if possible and seek an alternative route. On Monday, closures are still in place as a cordon remains up. Kingston Street at Tradeston Street to Commerce Street is closed, as is Nelson Street at Commerce Street to Tradeston Street. This will impact traffic heading into the city or trying to reach the M8, the M77 or the M74. Officers are still carrying out inquiries to establish the cause of the fire. The Scottish Fire and Rescue Service confirmed that they remained at the scene. There are no reported casualties. One appliance remains in attendance as crews continue to work to extinguish the fire. An article written by Rebecca Newlands. Glasgow Times News. On Monday the 17th of October. Key points as new Chancellor Jeremy Hunt sets out financial plan. An article written by Joshua Searle. The Chancellor Jeremy Hunt has set out his financial plan for the future this morning. The new Chancellor brought forward measures from the medium-term fiscal plan that will support fiscal sustainability, the Treasury said. Mr Hunt brought the announcement forward as he looked to calm the markets which have been in turmoil since the tax-cutting mini-budget was set out by the previous Chancellor, Kwasi Kwarteng. These are the key points made by Jeremy Hunt today, days after he was appointed Chancellor by Prime Minister Liz Truss. Plans to cut income tax scrapped. Jeremy Hunt has announced the government will scrap plans to reduce the basic rate of income tax from 20% to 19% in April next year, a move that had been forecast would cost the Exchequer almost £5.3 billion in 2023-2024. He added almost all tax cuts announced in the mini-budgets would be scrapped, including an indefinite pause to a planned one-pence cut in the basic rate of income tax. Chancellor Jeremy Hunt confirmed he's ditching many of the measures in the mini-budget, including the planned cut to income tax. In an emergency statement, he said, We will reverse almost all the tax measures announced in the growth plan three weeks ago that have not started parliamentary legislation. So whilst we'll continue with the abolition of the health and social care levy and stamp duty changes, we'll no longer be proceeding with the cuts to dividend tax rates, the reversal of off-payroll working reforms introduced in 2017 and 2021, the new VAT-free shopping scheme for non-UK visitors or the freeze on alcohol duty rates. He added, the measures I've announced today will raise every year around £32 billion. The energy price guarantee is also to end early. The Chancellor confirmed the energy support package will only last until April, not two years as planned. Jeremy Hunt announced a review to look at a new approach to target support to those worst off after that. The government will continue with its planned cut to stamp duty and its reversal of the 1.25 percentage point increase in national insurance contributions, the Chancellor said. An article written by Joshua Searle. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 17th of October. Nicola Sturgeon opens £10.2 million social housing development. An article written by Kirsty Fierick. Nicola Sturgeon has opened a £10.2 million social housing development in Govan. 
The First Minister unveiled the 49 affordable homes by Linthouse Housing Association at Cromdale Square as part of a huge regeneration for the city. The properties have been created on the site of the former Dremoyne Primary School with financial support from Glasgow City Council and the Scottish Government. Miss Sturgeon, who is the MSP for Glasgow Southside, revealed a commemorative plaque marking her visit and met with newly moved residents. She said, It's a pleasure to cut the ribbon on Linthouse Housing Association's latest development. Developments like this one are a vital part of the Scottish Government's housing strategy, providing high-quality social housing. This is particularly true when they can bring derelict and disused buildings back into positive use for local people. Govan has always held a special place in my heart, and I'm delighted to see this latest addition to a great area. The homes have welcomed new life into the location where the school once stood, just off Shieldhall Road, which had lain semi-derelict since the structure was closed in 2010. Irene McFarlane, chief executive of Linthouse Housing Association, called the opening a huge step forward for affordable housing in our community. She added, The transformation of this site into attractive new homes has lifted the local community's spirits. We readily acknowledge the financial support of Glasgow City Council and the Scottish Government, who share our vision of creating new affordable homes for the people we serve in our community. Govan is undergoing significant regeneration at present, with a planned new bridge linking the area with Partick, the restoration of the Clyde steamer Queen Mary at Pacific Quay, and hundreds of new homes for affordable rent which have been built or are still to be constructed. An article written by Kirsty Fierick. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 17th of October. Parents home not fit for an animal, says Angry Daughter. An exclusive article written by Kirsty Fierick. A furious daughter has claimed her parents' Glasgow house is not even fit for an animal. Sheena Grant, who's 52, says her elderly mum and dad have considered packing up and moving into a homeless unit over their poor living conditions. Murug and James Halliday, both in their 80s, believe the two-bedroom property in Hamilton Hill is severely deteriorating their health as it's mould and holes in the walls. The couple regularly trip up on the uneven floor and are scared to use the bathroom as tiles continue to fall off and almost hit them, according to an outraged Sheena. Morag relies on a Zimmer frame and suffers from a brittle bone condition, so worries she will suffer a fracture if struck by loose debris. James now takes antidepressant medication because the state of his home has reportedly made his mood very low. They share the house with their other daughter, Maud Halliday, who's 57, who has learning disabilities and is said to be very anxious about the living conditions. Sheena told the Glasgow Times, My parents have considered packing up and moving into a homeless unit instead of staying there. I've never seen a house like this in my life. It's not even fit for an animal. My mum has a brittle bone condition, so if a tile hits her or if she trips over the uneven floor, she could end up with a fracture. It just isn't safe. The broken back door fell and almost hit her. If my dad hadn't pulled her out of the way, she could have been killed. She can't even take a shower in her own house. The floors are also like rocky mountains. They trip over them all the time. It's terrible. I wouldn't put my worst enemy in a house like this. Sheena's now demanding something be done as she feels her parents have been neglected by authorities. 
She claims the property, which is owned by Queen's Cross Housing Association, does not have disabled access and needs serious work to remove the mould. Elderly people are more at risk of being ill, as they're more sensitive to the allergens, irritants and sometimes toxic substances created from mould spores. Moisture in buildings can be caused by leaking pipes, rising damp in basements or ground floors, or rain seeping in because of damage to the roof or around window frames. Sheena said, My mum's health has really deteriorated. She's been in and out of hospital a few times. I feel like my parents are being neglected by the Housing Association. It's just one big, long battle, which is really getting to me. I've called them, but I never hear back. I want to see some action being taken before someone gets seriously hurt. This is supposed to be an accessible house for disabled people, but it just isn't. My parents pay for everything and this is how they're getting treated. Rent is £800 a month. They get a pensioner discount, but it's just too much for nothing to be getting done about this. In this day and age, houses should not look like this. It's a complete shame. Since being contacted by the Glasgow Times, Queen's Cross Housing Association confirmed it plans to carry out repairs on the property. Maintenance manager Jim Williams said the works to Mr and Mrs Halliday's home will start on Tuesday and should take only a couple of days to complete. We recognise that the work should have been scheduled earlier than this as the instruction to carry them out was given in early September. Our aim is always to provide the best possible service to our customers. We're in close contact with Mr and Mrs Halliday and their daughter and will stay in touch until the works are completed to everyone's satisfaction. An exclusive article written by Kirsty Fierick. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 17th of October. Robbie Coltrane was in pain 24 hours a day before his death. An article written by Kieran Doody. Robbie Coltrane was in pain 24 hours a day as the star suffered from a degenerative disease. It was confirmed by his agent on Friday. The Scottish actor, much loved for portraying Hagrid in the Harry Potter series, was pictured in a wheelchair after being left unable to work due to the need for a knee replacement, with sources saying he'd been in constant pain for years. The 72-year-old, whose real name was Anthony Robert Macmillan, died in hospital last week. Despite his cause of death being unknown, osteoarthritis had completely destroyed his joints and left him in horrible pain. He said, I was fighting pain 24 hours a day when I was in National Treasure and Great Expectations. I had no cartilage in my knee. It was bone on bone. He added, it was just horrible. The relief from that pain since the operation and being able to sleep has changed my life. A source at the time said it's left him unable to walk without any assistance and he's been given a wheelchair while he waits to have a special surgical procedure in America to repair his joint. It's hugely frustrating for him, but he's really hoping to be back on his feet after getting the operation. The star was interviewed as part of HBO's Harry Potter 20th anniversary, Return to Hogwarts, where he spoke of his legacy after playing the Hogwarts gamekeeper for so many years. He said... The legacy of the movies is that my children's generation will show it to their children, so you could be watching it in 50 years' time. Easy. I won't be there, sadly, but Hagrid will. An article written by Kieran Doody. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 17th of October. Scenic path route resurfaced to improve accessibility. An article written by Rebecca Newlands. 
A new and improved scenic route has been unveiled after undergoing resurfacing works. Part of the Strathkelvin railway path, which stretches between Kilsyth Road in Kirkentillach and Campsie Road in Lennoxtown, has been closed for improvements so that the local community can get greater use of it. Around 4,500 metres of the path has been resurfaced to provide a smooth surface for local residents and visitors to walk, run, cycle or wheel along. Handrails were also installed and work was done to assess the damage caused by tree roots. The route was visited by Councillor Paul Ferretti, convener of Eastern Bartonshire Council's Place, Neighbourhood and Corporate Assets Committee. He said, I'm pleased to visit the newly resurfaced route and see for myself just what a difference this investment has made. It was always popular, but its condition meant it wasn't always fully accessible for people of all ages and abilities. The path is perfect now to walk, cycle, run and scoot, from parents with prams to folk on a fitness journey. Mr Ferretti was joined by members of the Walk, Run, Cycle in and around East Dumbartonshire Facebook group, which was founded by Lorna Thompson. Lorna said, We're delighted the path is looking so good. It's one of a number of popular routes in East Dumbartonshire, which our members use to relax, keep fit and enjoy the outdoors. The resurfaced stretch was closed during the summer while works took place, but fully reopened last month. An article written by Rebecca Newlands. Evening Times, October 17. Lifestyle. Knightswood housing scheme was turning point for Glasgow, says Barbara Nielsen of Glasgow City Archives. Knightswood always had the most fantastic Christmas lights display. As a child, I remember when December rolled around, we would be bundled into the car to see them. Colourful and bright festive displays in the front gardens of the houses. It was my first introduction to one of the city's largest housing schemes, which was the biggest in its day. Glasgow Corporation bought the land for its new scheme from the Summerlee Iron Company in 1921. The corporation's aim was to build a garden suburb, a smaller version of the garden city movement popular at the time. Although smaller in scope than Welwyn Garden City and Letchworth in Hertfordshire, the design of Knightswood shared many similarities with them. Each house in Knightswood was to have its own garden and the housing scheme would also incorporate other green spaces. Before its purchase by Glasgow Corporation, Knightswood was a rural area. It lay within the county of Dumbarton in the parish of New Kilpatrick. Its countryside location was the perfect setting for one of the few public buildings to exist before the area was developed. Knightwood Hospital. This was a shared venture between the boroughs of Hillhead, Maryhill and Partick. Completed in 1877 and originally known as the Joint Infectious Diseases Hospital, it developed specialisms in smallpox and tuberculosis. The hospital was taken over by Glasgow Corporation 
1912. Its historic records, including annual reports, minutes, correspondence and financial papers, are spread throughout our borough papers and our Glasgow Corporation Public Health Department collection. Once Knightswood had been bought by the corporation, it was absorbed into the city in 1926. However, plans for the development of the land for housing were already in motion before this. The earliest set of architectural plans we hold for Knightswood date to 1923. Knightswood and its south side counterpart, Moss Park, marked a turning point for Glasgow Corporation. It was the first time it had purchased land specifically for house building. Previous annexations to Glasgow had brought already existing suburban residential areas like Hillhead, Maryhill and Partick into the city. The bulk of house building in Knightswood occurred in three phases and took place during the 1920s and 1930s. The houses themselves were largely either cottage flats, semi-detached or terraced house types and the style was very similar to those used in Moss Park. The new housing in Knightswood was highly desirable and much sought after by Glasgow Corporation tenants. Often amenities were slower to appear than the houses in Glasgow Corporation's new schemes. However, Knightswood soon began to acquire the physical building blocks of its community. Public buildings, including eight churches and six schools, were built. Four new shopping centres were also constructed. In 1929, Glasgow Corporation bought the ground for Knightswood Park and laid it out for various sporting recreations, including hockey, tennis and golf. Once Glasgow Corporation bus services were established in the mid-1920s, they grew popular with residents on the new schemes because the buses, unlike the trams, could actually reach them, says Barbara Nielsen of Glasgow City Archives. Evening Times, October 17. Opinion. Mike Daly asks, are we facing a surge in mortgage repressions? Kwasi Kwarteng flew back from Washington DC last week to be given his jotters as Chancellor. His mini-budget was a fantastical nonsense from the Twilight Zone. Borrow billions to give to the rich and make life more costly for those struggling to make ends meet in a cost-of-living crisis. It was an uncosted back-of-a-fag-packet plan that spooked the financial markets around the world. Mr Kwarteng had plenty of hubris but little else as he tanked the economy and sterling. His destiny was to become a fall guy for a hapless Prime Minister who has not quite run out of steam because she never had any in the first place. 
Let's not forget Liz Truss sat and beamed with approval as Kwasi Kwarteng announced his kamikaze budget a few weeks ago. It was her budget too. Now we have the reprising role of failed Health Secretary Jeremy Hunt as Chancellor. It's like the final instalment in the scary movie franchise. The UK looks ridiculous on the world stage. The reason Kwarteng was in the United States with the Governor of the Bank of England was to meet the International Money Fund, the IMF. The IMF cautioned against tax giveaways and warned that inflation needs to get under control. Which brings us back to Andrew Bailey, the Governor of the Bank of England. He told an audience in Washington that the bank would not hesitate to raise interest rates. All eyes are now on the next Bank of England's next base rate rise in just two weeks time. We had a half percent rise in September to 2.25%. Analysts are now predicting a rise on November 3 by 0.75 to 1%. Let me explain how these cumulative rises are going to push many people over a financial cliff edge. A 1% base rate rise will add at least £46 per month for every £100,000 on a standard variable rate SBR or tracker mortgage. From February 2009 to August 2016, the base rate had flatlined at 0.5% before being lowered to 0.25%. From the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, the base was lowered to 0.1% and remained so until December last year. Since then, we have had seven increases, taking us to 2.25% and possibly 3% or 3.25% in a couple of weeks. There are 11 million household mortgages in the UK. Roughly 7.18 million are fixed rate, but we know as many as 2 million households are coming to the end of their cheap deals. The mortgage broker Habito estimates 27% of mortgage holders are on their lender's SBR. That could be almost 3 million households in the UK. UK Finance estimates there are 850,000 people with tracker rate mortgages. I calculate that more than half of Scottish households with mortgages may be adversely affected by further base rate hikes. Some 465,600 households, including those coming off fixed rate deals, SVRs and tracker rates. There may be 150,000 buy-to-let mortgage holders in Scotland impacted by base rate rises. Many people may be able to absorb another 1% on their mortgage 
but there will be a significant number who are already over-leveraged with personal debts because of the pandemic and energy bill crisis. They won't be able to afford further mortgage hikes. Even if we assume only 5% of those affected by base rate rises are pushed over the edge financially, that still gives us more than 20,000 households. They can obtain free money advice at sites like debtnavigator.scot and look at debt solutions. But if their mortgage is ultimately unaffordable, then we are looking at a surge in mortgage repossessions over the coming year. We can defend those court actions, but only if we have a solution, which means the monthly mortgage and arrears can be paid within a reasonable period of time, and certainly within the remaining term of the loan. For unaffordable scenarios, the option may be to sell and downsize if there is good equity in the problem. For many people, the only way to prevent homelessness may be to use the Scottish Government's Home Owner Support Fund, the HOSF. The HOSF enables a homeowner to apply the mortgage to a shared equity scheme whereby the Scottish Government can take stake in your property up to 30%, so your mortgage is less. Or the mortgage to a rent scheme where a social landlord buys your home and you can remain there as a Scottish secure tenant. The difficulty with the HOSF, the Home Owner Support Fund, is that it's been somewhat moribund since, since COVID-19. Is it going to be able to cope with the demand if there is a surge in mortgage repossessions across Scotland? Asks Mike Daly. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 18th of October 2022. From the news section. I just can't believe it. Tribute paid to Absolute Gem, who founded Clydebank Community Group, by Tom Grant. Tributes have been paid to one of the founding members of a local community group who spent his life helping others. John White was a founding member of Clydebank's White Crooks Centre 81 steering group and a big driver of community support and togetherness. He died over the weekend. Messages have been shared across social media paying tribute to the kind, generous and dedicated man. Ali Maley, Centre 81 coordinator, told our sister title, the Clydebank Post, John had been helping out stroke volunteering at Centre 81 for 14 years. He did so much for the White Crook area and was passionate about helping Centre 81 become a successful, thriving community hub. If there was a way he could help you out, he would. John sourced funding and helped organise our gala days, Christmas dinners and many other projects, as well as being the driving force behind the Centre 81 steering group. Everyone at Centre 81 will miss him. On Monday, Clydebank Housing Association announced the news on its own Facebook page. A statement said, 
Everyone at Centre 81 and Clydebank Housing Association is saddened and shocked at the passing of our friend John White. John was the chairman and one of the founding members of the Centre 81 steering group and dedicated his time to organising and running activities and events for the benefit of local children and for our community. John will be greatly missed and our thoughts are with his family at this sad time. Following the news, messages of condolences on just how well thought of John was were written. One wrote, Nick White, Amanda and your family, I am absolutely shocked and gutted to hear about John's passing. My heart goes out to you, your whole family, his mum and brother. I just can't believe it. He was a wonderful guy who did so much for his family, but also for Centre 81 and the whole White Crook community. I volunteered with him at Centre 81 at the food bank during the pandemic when he did so much for the elderly, kids and all those in need, making up food parcels and meals across the whole of West Dunbartonshire. He was truly dedicated to helping anyone he could. He'll be sorely missed by so many people. Rest in peace, John. Another posted, just can't quite believe it. Such a terrible loss for his family and for local community, which he gave so much time and energy into helping and supporting. Absolute gem and will be sorely missed. Thoughts go out to all his family at this difficult time. That article was by Tom Grant. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 18th of October 2022, from the News Section. Man fighting for his life after crash with two vans on M8 by Rebecca Newlands. A man is fighting for his life in a Glasgow hospital after being in a crash with two vans on the M8. The 26-year-old pedestrian was involved in a collision with a grey Renault Traffic SL28 van and a Volkswagen Crafter van on the westbound road at Hart Hill yesterday. Emergency services rushed to the scene just after 4pm and he was airlifted to the Queen Elizabeth University Hospital. Police closed the road for around five hours to investigate the incident. A 33-year-old man was arrested in connection and later released. Officers are continuing to probe the incident and are urging any witnesses to come forward. Sergeant Scott Sutherland of Motherwell Road's policing unit said, Our inquiries to establish the full circumstances of the crash are ongoing, and I would urge anyone who may be able to help to get in touch. We would be especially keen to hear from anyone who may have dash cam footage of the incident. Anyone with information or footage can contact officers on 101, quoting incident number 2210 of October 17th, 2022. I'd also like to thank the motorists who were affected by the road closure for their patience while we carried out investigation. This article was by Rebecca New. From the Glasgow Times... Tuesday the 18th of October 2022, from the news section. Nine candidates to stand in Glasgow by-election after death of Malcolm Cunning, by Drew Sanderlands. Nine candidates will seek to replace former Glasgow Labour leader Michael Cunning as a councillor at a by-election next month. Councillor Cunning, who represented Lynn and had been re-elected in May, died last month at the age of 65. Voters in the ward will go to the polls on Thursday, November the 17th to elect a new councillor and the candidates have now been confirmed. The city's Labour group has selected John Carson, while the SNP has selected Chris Lang-Tate. 
Pauline Sutherland will contest the seat for the Conservatives, Jen Bell has been picked by the Greens, and Joe McCauley is the Liberal Democrats' representative. There are also candidates from Alaba, Kirsty Fraser, UKIP, Chris Ho, the Scottish Socialist Party, George Willis MacDougall, and the Freedom Alliance, Di Macmillan. Two Labour and two SNP councillors were elected in Lynn at the council elections in May, with Councillor Cunning picking up the most first preference votes, 2,152. Paul McCabe and Margaret Morgan were then elected for the SNP before Catherine Vallis took the fourth seat for Labour. Incumbent Conservative councillor Ewan Blockley lost his seat. The SNP currently has 37 councillors in Glasgow, while Labour, after the death of Councillor Cunning, has 35. The Green Group has 10 representatives and the Conservatives have two. This article was by Drew Sanderlands. Evening Times, October 18. Lifestyle Memories. Her takeaway was firebombed. Glasgow writer tells story of Chinese grand's city life. Report by Anne Fotheringham. In the Lucky Dragon restaurant on Sucky Hall Street in the 70s, a young Chinese woman makes a daring bet and changes her life. This is the starting point of award-winning writer Hannah Caitlin Lee's tale, The Kam Soon, and it is based on a true story. Hannah's grandmother, Yin Kwan, was a first-generation Chinese immigrant who moved to Glasgow in early 1960s with her husband. The heartwarming and often heartbreaking tales she told Hannah have inspired the Strathclyde University graduate to write a collection of short stories, and the first of those won the Gold Award for Prose at the Creative Futures Writing Awards. With a mission to make publishing more diverse and representative, the SFWA is the UK's only annual national writing competition and development programme for all underrepresented writers and has a successful track record for developing new talent. Now in its ninth year, it attracted a record 1,400 entries from unpublished writers around the UK. I was shocked to win, says Hannah, who was born in Glasgow and grew up in the West End. Winning has really boosted my confidence in the stories that I want to tell, as well as my ability to tell them. I have always loved and found a complete comfort in writing. Although these stories are based on my own family's background, they are stories that everyone can relate to. They have a feeling of otherness and of being on the outskirts. They are stories about being human more than anything. Hannah's grandmother, whom she called Apo, was 17 when she moved from Hong Kong to Glasgow. She and her husband worked at the Lucky Dragon, which Hannah describes in the story as a drab restaurant with Chinese chefs and skinny Scottish waitresses. The tablecloths were red and papery, 
and spotted with grease marks like the first raindrops that fall on Buchanan Street. Tragically, after the young couple had had four children, including Hannah's father, a pause that husband died of a brain tumour, and she was left a single mother at the age of 21. Hannah, who studied English, journalism and creative writing at Strathclyde University, explains, when her husband was ill, she had to send children back to Hong Kong to be taken care of by her family as she tried to carve a life out for them here. Life was incredibly tough when she first moved to Scotland. A lot of immigrant workers were not treated well, working long hours for not a lot of money. My Apo worked as a dishwasher and then finally as a chef. One day she heard the tip-off for the horse racing, put on an accumulator and won enough money for a deposit to buy her own takeaway in Larbert near Falkirk. It is a story that doesn't seem real, but luckily for us, it is. Hannah says the stories of Chinese immigrants making a life for themselves in Glasgow and across Scotland in the 60s and 70s are not often told. And she adds, there was a real mix of reactions toward immigrants when my Apo first came to Scotland. Some people were really lovely, others less so. In the early months of the takeaway opening, they were all sleeping under the counter, living within the shop. Chinese gangs tried to intimidate her as a young single woman in Scotland. The takeaway was firebombed twice. She was brave and never let them take advantage of her or her new business. She faced a lot of threats and violence from them, but she stood her ground. The story focuses on the takeaway as being at the heart of a community, on the importance of food and family, and I think really displays a part of Scottish history that just does not get enough coverage. Hannah, who left Glasgow for Falkirk, but is now planning to move back with her boyfriend, says she has a real affinity with the city her grandmother made her home in the early days of her arriving in Scotland. The city features strongly in the story. In one section, Hannah writes, high up behind the art school, where people hurriedly lay their heads in each other's laps and daydreamed of the future, a paw turned to look over Glasgow. The city was covered in a fine mist and away from the harsh lights that lined Sucky Hall Street, the city glowed a warm orange. She could just make out the dark spires of Glasgow University, the blockiness of the art school. She looked east to the college that taught their students about engineering and science. Gripping the coins tightly in her fist, she saw opportunity hidden in the silhouettes of Glasgow. Hannah adds, I have always had such an affinity to Glasgow and have spent a lot of time in the city. It really is one of my favourite places.
Report by Anne Fotheringham. From Glasgow Evening Times. Wednesday, the 19th of October 2022. From the news section. David Tennant considered for James Bond role alongside Daniel Craig by Glasgow Times reporter. David Tennant has revealed he was in the running for the role of James Bond alongside Daniel Craig, but only found out years later. Craig starred in the last five 007 films, first appearing in Casino Royale in 2006 and ending his run with No Time to Die in 2021. Speaking to Acting for Others podcast, Doctor Who star Tennant said he recently discovered that producers Barbara Broccoli and Michael G. Wilson were at one point considering him to play the fictional secret service agent. He recalled, I have never believed I had until I worked with a director recently who had worked with Broccoli's who said, yeah, you were on the list that time. I was like, what time? What are you talking about? He went, yeah, the last time. I suppose it must have been Daniel Craig before that I would have been a child. The 51-year-old Scottish actor added, I think it is quite a long list and I don't think I was very near the top of it, but apparently so. Following Craig's swan song performance as 007 in No Time to Die, there has been a lot of speculation about who will take over, with Reggie Jean Page, Henry Cavill and James Norton among the bookies contenders. Asked if he wonders what his life would have been like if he got the role, Tennant said, I think it's probably a bit of a game changer, that level of celebrity. He himself was catapulted to widespread recognition when he stepped into the TARDIS in 2005 to play the 10th Time Lord, with his final Doctor Who episode airing on New Year's Day in 2010. The actor said he did experience a loss of anonymity after joining the sci-fi series, saying, It was a different scale to anything I'd done before in terms of just the general public being aware of me. You can sort of be known in the industry and there's a whole thing where you're suddenly in people's living rooms and they have a kind of ownership of you in a way. And it's a multifaceted experience and lots of it's very nice, but there's parts of it where you just can't really anticipate what it feels like, I think. Tennant will be returning to the show alongside Catherine Tate, who played his companion Donna Noble, in scenes due to air next year to coincide with the series' 60th anniversary celebrations. And that article was by Glasgow Times reporter. From Glasgow Evening Times. Wednesday, the 19th of October 2022. From the news section. Historical reenactment group brings history to life for local children. By Rebecca Newlands. A historical reenactment group has delivered their first performance since the pandemic. Children from St. Patrick's Parish Church in Dumbarton enjoyed dramatic and captivating lesson in Scottish history from local organisation, the Society of the Scottish Knights. It marked their first gig since a visit to St. Patrick's Primary School in 2020. Founder Dee Martin said, We talked about history, who we are, what we do, and discussed the Christian spirit of charity. It's fantastic to see the reactions when we bring Scottish history to life in front of their faces. Dee from Cardross has taken part in historical reenactments for years and then decided to turn their passion into something everyone but particularly children could enjoy. They said, I've been involved in historical recreation activities since 2016. My interest has always been focused on historical research. This passion led me to think about education and contribution to society 
in an attractive way for the public in general and in particular for children to learn about Scottish history. It led me to forming my own group in 2018 called the Society of the Scottish Knights. We have toured all over Scotland with this group and even travelled to Spain for the celebration of Douglas Day. Our activity is based on three pillars, historical research, historical recreation and teaching. To find out more about the Society of Scottish Knights, you can visit their Facebook group called the Society of the Scottish Knights. And that article was by Rebecca Newlands from the Glasgow Evening Times, Wednesday 19th of October 2022, from the news section, Hundreds of Fireworks Seized in Glasgow Barbers After Tip-Off by Stacey Mullen. A tip-off has led to hundreds of fireworks being seized by trading standards who swooped in on city barbers. The Southside business is now under investigation for the unsafe storage of fireworks. The 250 rockets were seized when trading standards officers swooped in on barbers' shop on Tuesday. Glasgow City Council provided no further details on the location of the shop. The council team carried out an inspection of the premises in response to a tip-off that fireworks were being sold from the barbers located among tenement flats which raised safety concerns. Investigations by trading standards are continuing into the discovery and could result in the report to be the Procurator Fiscal. Gary Walker, Glasgow's City Council's Head of Community Safety and Regulatory Services said, Fireworks can be extremely dangerous if not stored correctly and trading standards work closely with colleagues in Police Scotland and Scottish Fire and Rescue to help keep communities safe by ensuring retailers comply with the law. Every year, Glasgow's trading standards team vet retailers who apply for a license to store pyrotechnics. Strike safety checks are carried out to ensure fireworks, which are essentially explosives, can be stored safely and securely. In 2021, 66 premises in Glasgow, ranging from large supermarkets to small independent retailers, were granted licenses. Businesses that couldn't provide safe storage facilities will have their applications refused and license can be revoked if they're later found to be storing fireworks unsafely, storing more than their license permit, selling to anyone under the age of 18, or contravening other relevant legalisations. Next year, new legalisations giving council more powers around the sale and use of fireworks is due to come into force. It includes the power to create designated firework control zones where the use of fireworks would be banned, even on private land. These measures are designed to help tackle misuse of fireworks. Anyone with concerns about a Glasgow store selling fireworks can email the Council's Training Standards team with details on ts.inquires at glasgow.cov.uk. And that article was by Stacey Mullen. From Glasgow Evening Times. Wednesday the 19th of October 2022. From the news section. Man dies after fire at flat in Glasgow's govern as 999 crews rush to scene. By Rebecca Newlands. A man has died after a fire at a flat in Glasgow. Multiple emergency services were called to the scene at Napier Place in Govan this morning at around 7.30am. When fire crews extinguished the blaze, a 50-year-old man was found dead in the flat. A 56-year-old woman also suffered smoke inhalation and was treated by ambulance staff. Officers are now investigating the incident. 
A force spokesman said, Around 7.30am on Wednesday, October 19th, 2022, emergency services attended a report of fire at a flat in Napier Place, Govan, Glasgow. The fire was extinguished by SFRS and a 50-year-old man was found dead within a property. A 56-year-old woman was treated for smoke inhalation by SAS. Inquiries are ongoing into the circumstances surrounding the incident. The fire service confirmed that they attended with three engines on one height vehicle, while five ambulance staff raced to the scene. A Scottish Fire and Rescue Service spokesman said, We are alerted at 5.53am on Wednesday, October 19, to reports of a fire at property on Napier Place, Glasgow. Operations Control mobilised three fire appliances and one height vehicle. The fire was extinguished and crews left the scene at 8.35am. A Scottish Ambulance Service spokesperson said, We received a call from Scottish Fire and Rescue at 6.57am to attend a fire in a property at Napier Place, Glasgow. We dispatched five crews to the scene. And that article was by Rebecca Newlands. Evening Times, October 19. Opinion. Susan Aiken says, The UK government is in utter chaos. At the time of writing, Liz Truss is still Prime Minister, but by the time you read this, she may well be gone. The UK government is in utter chaos. Not only did Liz Truss sack the Chancellor she appointed just 38 days before, but she has been fighting a losing battle for her own job from the moment she entered number 10. You could laugh at the absurdity of it all, were the consequences not so grave. Tory turmoil and calamity is not just about the Westminster political bubble. It has a direct effect on the well-being of tens of millions of people already struggling to put food on the table, keep their homes warm or pay their mortgages. Meanwhile, here in Scotland, the party of government continues to get on with the job of putting people first. At the Scottish Parliament and in local authorities across the country, the SNP is providing practical support to households facing the daily consequences of Westminster agendas. But we are also offering a more progressive and more equal alternative to the torrents of disastrous policies and agendas which flood out of Westminster. Last week's SNP conference in Aberdeen could not have made the contrast with the unfolding mayhem in Westminster any starker. My Glasgow SNP colleagues led from the front on a wide range of issues affecting our communities, our country, and our planet. From the appalling racism directed at pupils and teachers at St Albert's Primary in Pollock Shields, to the women's protests in Iran, from divesting pension investments from fossil fuel companies to community wealth building, the Glasgow team made our mark. But it was the ambition, pledges and positivity of the First Minister's conference keynote address 
that highlighted the gulf between the priorities in Scotland and Westminster most of all. With concerns about the cost of living crisis over the winter months mounting by the day, Nicola Sturgeon announced that around 145,000 children in Scotland will soon be benefiting from extra financial support. The First Minister pledged to double the bridging payment to those families not yet eligible for the Scottish Child Payment to £260. In the face of soaring food and energy costs, this offers many families respite in the run-up to Christmas. With the First Minister also confirming that the Scottish Child Payment, the only financial support of its kind in the UK, would rise to £25 per week and extend to all children under 16. It is clear that our government at Holyrood is prepared to act for the benefit of people and communities in Glasgow and across Scotland. Call me cynical, but the evidence of 12 years of hammering the poor tells me that whoever ends up in the Tory hot seat they will not be prioritising the support of struggling households at their time of greatest need. From the bedroom tax to the benefits cap, the Scottish Government continues to spend hundreds of millions of pounds just to mitigate UK policies we never voted for. And it begs the question, just how long do we have to put up with this? Because we should be clear of one thing, the escalation of the economic and energy crisis should of course be laid at the door of Liz Truss and her Tony cronies. But the ongoing shambles in which the UK finds itself is a consequence of Brexit Britain and the courting and promotion of the worst political traits and cultures. Independence remains the best way forward for Scotland, a route out of Westminster's mismanagement and onto a future that fulfils our potential and lets us play our part in the international family of progressive and successful nations. The First Minister made an incredibly compelling and pressing case for independence, but she also spelled out that the road to it must be both legal and democratic. As readers will know, the decision on whether Scotland's Parliament has the right to legislate for Scotland's people to choose their own future currently rests with the UK Supreme Court. Of course, I hope the judges allow us to proceed with plans for a referendum next October, but if they rule against us, it will simply expose once again the limits of our democratic ability to respond at a time when Holyrood's powers are already under threat of being dismantled by the Tories. The case for independence is not a diversion from the challenges Scots face day and daily. Our commitment to a better, more prosperous, more equal Scotland perfectly aligns and complements our continuing work on the ground. We are delivering a better today to build a better tomorrow. Welcome Places 
Supporting people living on low incomes has been an SNP priority from day one of our administration. And this week we rolled out more practical support to do just that. Starting Monday, almost 30 council and community venues have begun offering sanctuary and support to those impacted by the cost of living and energy crisis. From Yoka to Castle Milk, Easter House to Pollock and communities in between, welcome places will provide residents with somewhere warm and comfortable, but also advice and support, access to services, refreshments and the use of Wi-Fi and PCs in some venues. No one wants to be in a situation where welcome places are needed and provided. But the impact of Tory policies is a major threat to the well-being of far too many citizens for us not to step in. Holiday Food and Activity Programme This week saw thousands of children again take advantage of the Holiday Food and Activity Programme at dozens of community-based venues across Glasgow. Although the cost of living crisis has escalated in recent months, it's been a fact of life for too many Glaswegian families long before the current headlines. That's why we started the programme over four years ago, meeting a demand that had not been addressed by previous administrations and working in partnership with dozens of grassroots community groups and opening it to everyone who wants to take part, has made for a genuinely inclusive programme. That's why it's gone from strength to strength, with more projects than ever this year, and is something myself and Glasgow SNP colleagues are rightly proud of, says Susan Aiken. Evening Times, October 19 lifestyle. Meet the Glasgow nail artist who created Star Wars lightsaber nails. Report by Sarah Campbell. A Glasgow nail artist's stunning creations have seen her win the top prize in two categories at a national competition this month. Ania Keziak runs the beauty beehive in Charing Cross and has been honing her craft since 2006 when she first began to realise that her passion could become a full-time job. She said, I used to work in a cafe and would paint my own nails with different designs using polish. People started to comment on them and so I started to think that I might be onto something. Over the years, I have attended so many courses to keep getting better. Nail art has really exploded recently, and I always want to know what the newest thing is. While Anya's day job sees her creating many masterpieces for her regular clients, competitions bring with them the irresistible opportunity to showcase a creative flair. And she said, I am a very competitive person. The last competition I entered was in 2016, 
So I was starting to feel I needed the feeling of adrenaline back. It's completely different to what I do with my clients. Looking for a chance to truly put her skills to the test, the 37-year-old decided on two very different submissions for the Scratch Magazine Shootout competition, which asked entrants to imagine a magazine cover-worthy image. It should come as no surprise that a jaw-dropping Star Wars design was chosen as the judge's favourite, while a statuesque suffragette was named as the winner of a public vote, beating off stiff competition from across the UK. Explaining her process, Ania said, It was actually my partner's idea to do light sabre nails. I had been wanting to use a male model for a while, so whether he liked it or not, he ended up sitting for seven hours while I painted his nails. The suffragette idea came out of nowhere. While researching online, I saw a statue marking 100 years since women had received the vote, which made me think about making someone look like a statue. It always starts with an inspiration, then the brainstorming follows. It took hours to get right, because I ended up moulding everything by hand with acrylic. In the culmination of months of hard work, Ania's double wins were announced at the Olympia London Beauty Show on Monday, October 3. She said, I was watching the ceremony with my partner, but his live stream was faster than mine. I heard him shouting and tried to shush him because I didn't realise I had won. I was crying, of course, and then we started pouring wine and phoning our friends. All I could think about was how long the designs had taken me to create and that I was finally being rewarded for it. Weeks on from the event, Ania is back working hard at her salon as she awaits her cover feature in Scratch magazine in November. When asked if we can expect to see more show-stopping designs anytime soon, she replied, Right now, I would just like to focus on training. Competitions are something I always look out for, but for now, I'm enjoying the high of winning. It feels unbelievable. The team behind the winning submissions are Ania Keziak for Makeup and Jonathan Kerr, Star Wars medal, model. And that was this week's Glasgow Times News Podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes with the publisher's kind permission. Thanks for listening.